We'll do our own thoughts on this tomorrow in the Fast Five at 5-ish, but it's time for some expert perspective on a couple of different topics relative to the Hokies, but right now, another team in the Commonwealth to start off covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. Chris Tyree, yes, the former Notre Dame wide receiver running back who Product has of had, the 804. Yes, Trey having to insert his pride. Just over 1,000 rushing yards, 1161, and just under 1,000 receiving yards, 945, during his tenure with the Irish, including 26 catches for 484 and three touchdowns this past year. Tyree transfers from Notre Dame to Virginia, and a man who has been familiar with that story at jerryratcliffe.com is the aforementioned Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe Hootie. Between that and Virginia picking up the transfer commitment from a defensive back earlier today uh, from Akron, are we starting to actually maybe see some signs of positivity surrounding this football program? Uh, it's, it would seem that way, Ed. Uh, getting Tyree was a, a really good get for Virginia. I mean, the guy is he's also an excellent uh, kick and punt returner, which um, I, I'm sure they could use. And a guy that... Um, can you know line up in various spots on the field I would think since he's been a running back and was primarily a receiver this past season so he might be able to uh, take up some of the slack created with um, Malik Washington moving on so I I think uh, I think the fact that they got him and and an outside linebacker today from uh, like you said from Akron Probably uh, is a good sign. They've they've had uh, two more guys enter the portal, including Dave Harrard, a uh, cornerback, uh, who started seven games. And he's probably the most experienced guy they've lost of the 12 guys that have entered the portal. So I think at this point, uh, in terms of comings and goings, they're probably up a little bit in, in the uh, in the portal moves. You mentioned how Virginia is trending up. How much of that relates back to, and we're going to go two-parter here, even though it's shredded in media. How much of it relates back to the fact that they've retained to this point a number of players who've announced they're coming back, so you would think that's more solid than just players who've said nothing. And the fact that maybe there's some NIL money around to keep these guys on the Virginia roster, even if some around the program may be reluctant to embrace that theory. Well, I believe that's correct. I I think they have enhanced their NIL program a little bit since the season ended. And I I don't know if that's the main reason that they're retaining guys, but they've done a pretty good job of of keeping guys in the fold. And uh, most of the people that have left have either been uh, reserves or guys that didn't play at all. So so that, that may affect their depth at some point unless they can sign a bunch more players but um, I would say that they've done a pretty good job of hanging on to what they've got JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Hudy Ratcliffe this will be as it always is the ever evolving monitor of the football portal to basketball though Obviously, we're in that quirky time where it's exams, so you're not getting a ton of action right now for Virginia. But you've got an article on Red Hot McNeely, Isaac McNeely. We touched on this last week, but 
How much is he likely to be a guy that Virginia can count on now to shoot this team out of offensive slumps that have been a plague for them in prior years? I think they'd be making a mistake if they don't give him more shots a game. He's proven that he can handle it, and he's improved his offense a little bit. He's not a, uh, he doesn't object to, to taking uh, maybe pump faking a three-pointer and driving into the lane for a closer shot or, or driving to the basket. So I think he's got a little bit more uh, expansive offense now, and my God, he's shooting 58% from the three-point line. So, I mean, you got a pretty darn good chance, I think, of, of getting a three-pointer anytime he lets one go. Um, he's worked really hard on his game, and, and he's come along um, as a defensive player, too. He's, I think he's gained Tony's trust there. He's put on about six pounds of muscle, and he feels a lot more athletic than he did a year ago. And not only does he have the green light, but I think he's more um, more inclined to shoot now. I, I think he deferred too much last year being a true freshman, but I, I don't think there's anything holding him back now. Nothing holds us back from getting a hold of Jerry Ratcliffe. It's just easy. You type in jerryratcliffe.com, and the insight is at your fingertips. Hootie, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. Much appreciated. No problem, guys. We'll see you next week. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. With David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. And unlike those specials at InsaneRadioDeals.com, the ticket allotment for the Virginia Tech football team's appearance in the Military Bowl, they have sold out. David Cunningham of TechSideline.com will discuss that and more right now here in the Fast Lane. DC, how surprised are you that even though this is just a bowl game and it's not the most appealing destination, Virginia Tech, they've already sold out their ticket allotment to the the, the game that takes place 12 o'clock airtime, of course, on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, Wednesday, December 27th. Hey, Ed, great to be with you. Honestly, I'm not surprised at all. That's kind of Virginia Tech's bread and butter right there. You're telling me that of the 40 or 50,000 alumni uh, in the Washington, D.C. area, that they can't fill up the, the Navy Marine Corps Stadium by itself. I, I'm sure if you said Virginia Tech could have all of the tickets for that stadium, Okies would sell it out um, on their own. I think this is a great opportunity for Virginia Tech fans that live up there, but also those that live in just anywhere in Virginia, I mean, whether it's in the 757 or in the Lynchburg area, down in Blacksburg near me and, of course, Virginia Tech, or even the people in Charlotte or, or the people up in uh, Mar- the Maryland, uh, New Jersey area. I think th- this is an easy bowl game to travel to. The tough part is it's around Christmas time, so that makes things a little finicky uh, at times, but this is a good opportunity, and I'm not surprised at all because I think Virginia Tech fans want to celebrate a very successful season. Keep in mind, Ed, this was a team in September that was 1-3. and three. We're talking about them having a chance to be a, a, an 11-2 two-lane team and finish off the year with a winning record. That is crazy to think about. Lots of credit to Brent Pry and the staff and the players for the way they turned this thing around. 
It is. It's a real positive for Virginia Tech that they've gotten to this point. And it set them up fascinatingly. I'm creating my own word here, David, for what you would find out of the transfer portal news so far. Not everybody has made their announcements for next year, so it is worth monitoring to see what may or may not transpire. But to this point, everybody who seemingly has entered the transfer portal are guys that if you're Virginia Tech, at least from the outside, you'd be okay with them leaving, whereas guys that you had questions about like Fuga and APR on the defensive line and Kyron Drones at uh, quarterback are slated to return. So far, so good on the portal front for Virginia Tech? Uh, yes, so far so good, 1,000%. I, I think the one question mark is cornerback Derek Canteen, who announced he was entering. But I think depending on Monsoor Delane and Dorian Strong and their decisions, there's a chance both of them come back, which means that Derek Canteen would probably be that third cornerback for the second straight season. Obviously, he transferred in from Georgia Southern last year. I, that doesn't surprise me a whole lot. Now, there's no guarantee, of course, that Strong and Delane uh, will come back. There's a chance one or both ends up leaving. In that case, Virginia Tech might say, man, I wish we had Derek Canteen there. Outside of him, though, the guys who have entered the transfer portal, and it's only been about six so far who played last season and contributed in some way. Of those six, Canteen's really the only one that is a huge loss. You could say, okay, tight end Daquan Wright, that's a little tough. But Virginia Tech has another good tight end there in Benji Gosnell. And, and Daquan Wright, uh, he's a guy who, yes, made some big plays for Virginia Tech at times this year. But at the end of the day, you can probably go out and find somebody who, who could make those same plays in the transfer portal. So I think this is a good opportunity for the Hokies to build on all of the positives from this year. They had a very good season after what looked like a poor, poor start. And they've got the opportunity to continue to add to the depth that they created this past season by going out and getting really talented guys in the transfer portal. And Tech had a couple guys visit, of course, this past weekend. Um, a couple guys visit during the week this last week. Chris Coleman and everybody at our te- on our Tech sideline team uh, is writing plenty stories about that over the next week or so um, as, as we head up to signing day. Virginia Tech's not going to sign a giant class; just 15 high school, uh, 15 high school players. There are still a handful of opportunities to sign transfer portal guys, but the Hokies are in a good place right now. They're retaining a lot, which I think speaks to NIL and where the culture is and where everybody feels like the Hokies are as a program entering year three for Brent Pry. David, thank you for your time and insight. As always, we'll keep it locked to the real Decon A on Twitter and Instagram and TechSideline.com. Appreciate it, Ed. Talk to you next week. David Cunningham, TechSideline.com with us here in the Fast Lane. Now to the Liberty Flames. More on the football program momentarily with Adam Alan York of the Liberty Flames Sports Network. But, Alan, Liberty Basketball, they fall to Grand Canyon this past Saturday over at Bel Air is what we call Liberty Arena, L.A., the swanky part of L.A., of course. <laughs> um, and they had a great atmosphere. They lost this game. True or false? It's easy to understand the anxiety around the fan base because they're not used to losing this many games, but Richie McKay and the Flames, their focus right now is on using this as a readiness tactic to be ready for March when the real games matter the most, and that is the Conference USA Tournament and a potential bid to March Madness. Yeah, I saw your quick take on social media uh, this week, Ed. You know... True or false, I mean, yeah, you're looking at Conference USA. Potentially could be a multi-bit league, depending upon 
how these teams uh, figure out in the regular season. But I do think Liberty is at a point right now, scheduling is tough because they've been so competitive uh, since Richie McKay returned to the mountain. But I do think Liberty has the talent to win these games. And so they're upset they didn't win. I mean, 17-point lead in the first half. You had a nine-point lead in the second half. A game that, looking back, uh, they they should have won. They just didn't shoot the ball well enough. They had 14 more uh, shot attempts than Grand Canyon. So uh, it was a tough one. Uh, but I think Coach McKay centered this team, probably in the locker room when that game was over. So, hey, we're back on the mountain on Wednesday for Tennessee State. Uh, but I do think um, it's a game that Liberty should have won. And uh, we'll be looking back. And it's <laughs> Yeah, we should have, would have, could have, but Liberty's so mentally tough, Ed, that they've already put that one in the rearview mirror. I'm sure they cleaned up the film from it, and they're ready for Wednesday night. They've got Jackson State, or excuse me, Tennessee State at 8 o'clock. Part of a doubleheader, by the way, at Liberty Arena this coming set, this coming Wednesday. Alan, it's the women's game at 6, the men's game at 8. How cool of a concept is this, especially in the rising interest era of women's basketball, that Liberty in their athletic department finding a way to tie both these games together? I think it's really cool. It's kind of a throwback game for the women's team because uh, Radford, you know, 90 minutes down the road there, uh, was a big-time rival of those two teams when Liberty was in the Big South. So I think it's a big deal. You know, uh, students are gone, so tickets uh, for these games are readily available, um, and it's a good opportunity to see some good basketball. The women's team uh, has been competitive ever since I've been on the mountain, and uh, going to the new conference for both these teams would be a good sneak peek to what uh, conference play is going to look like for the Flames. And again, one ticket gets you into both games, 30 minutes between games. So you can watch the women's game and get a hot dog as you wait for the men's game to tip off around 8.30. We would not be doing our jobs if we didn't bring up with Alan York, play-by-play voice of the Liberty Flames at LU Flames Voice on social media to keep up with him. Uh, if we didn't bring up the Fiesta Bowl, 1 o'clock New Year's Day against Oregon, which will feature... Quarterback Bo Nix of the Oregon Ducks. He of the third place voting that he got for the Heisman Trophy. Honestly, are you excited if you're a Flames fan that you're getting this version of Oregon where you got a player of Bo Nix's caliber wanting to play in this? Or would you rather him not play and maybe boost the odds of winning? (laughs) I I would expect that question, but you want everybody to play. You don't want Liberty to win and say, well, Bo Nix didn't play. No, who wants that narrative? Should Liberty win, you'll want Oregon to be at full strength and shock everybody. You know, call it David Goliath, what you want. I mean, Liberty's certainly not playing the role of of, Goliath, of uh, David in their locker room, I can guarantee you. They're poised, they're ready to play, and uh, they're going to have a good showing come uh, January 1st. But certainly, you want everybody at full strength on both teams and to see, hey, the best team going to win the game when it's all said and done uh, come the afternoon of January 1st. And it might even do more for Liberty going forward to be able to say, wow, we've played that. It gives you a, your program a barometer of what those players look like and how you can continue to recruit and develop those type of players. Somebody who's already developed into a great broadcaster is Alan York, and we're grateful for his time today here in the Fast Lane. Alan, thank you for yours. We'll chat again soon as the bowl game gets closer. Happy holidays. Go Flames. Alan York with us here in the Fast Lane when we return. JMU, they found their football coach. They are one of seven teams in Ben's basketball that still have not lost a game. That will kick off covering the Commonwealth Part 2 next here in the Fast Lane.